For decades, we've helped Tom's family with parenting, adoption, and what it means to be pro-life. It's just typical of the way Focus on the Family has worked over the years. They just provide very practical, biblically-based things that help people to make the right choice and, and support people in ways that really are necessary. That's why Tom and his wife give monthly, to encourage and equip other families. Focus on the family is out on the front lines of things that you know are necessary in the culture and in, in the community, and we as Christians are called to support God's work in that way. It's just a blessing to us to be a part of it. I'm Jim Daly. I'm inviting you to give monthly so that together we can save even more families. Join our Friends of Focus on the Family team by calling 800-A-FAMILY or donate at focusonthefamily.com slash family. Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. When you're saying to a kid, you need to do your homework, and he's playing a video game, he, he looks up and goes, well, obviously I don't. I mean, I'm fine. <laughs> Thank I don't, you very much. Yeah. Felt I don't feel a need to do this. You know my son. <laughs> Some great perspective there from Dr. Henry Cloud, and uh, you'll hear more from him. It's a, a fun, energetic conversation today on Focus on the Family with your host, Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller. We're talking about how you can transfer responsibility to your children, how you can get them to see that they do need to do their schoolwork and begin <laughs> uh, teaching them important life lessons while maintaining a really strong relationship with them. Now, this conversation with Dr. Cloud occurred a few years ago, but the lessons given are as true and needed today as ever before, and I think you're really going to enjoy the conversation. John, setting boundaries for our kids can be so difficult. If you're honest, most of us as parents struggle with how to do that consistently and how to do it well. And man, thousands of letters and Facebook comments have come into focus on the family about this very issue. And this is one of those key areas where parents really do struggle. How do we do it better? Are we doing it right? Are we messing up our kids or are we being too laid back? And today we want to talk about that and provide some tools to evaluate where you're at in that parenting approach, and we want to help you see if you're going about it the right way. Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud will bring some great wisdom for us today. Indeed, he's been here a number of times and is very popular as a speaker and writer, and uh, he's a trained psychologist. He's written a number of books, including uh, a title with Dr. John Townsend that we'll be discussing today. It's called Boundaries with Kids, How Healthy Choices Grow Healthy Children. Here now is that conversation with Dr. Henry Cloud on Focus on the Family. Henry, welcome back to the program. Good to be back. Uh, what are boundaries? Uh, you and your cohort, John Townsend, have written a lot about boundaries with different applications. Boundaries for kids is where we're living right now. John, you and I both, totally. and even you, uh, Henry, you have two teenagers in your home, right? I do. Two teenage girls, 13 so, and 14. So is your you know your sophisticated professional psychology background helping you as a parent? Yeah, it, it because I have seen people bang their head against a wall, and now I know how to do it. So, you know, it's just... <laughs> so I mean, it's amazing what the these critters come up with it is you know i i think parenting is just a riot you know it is it's hard fun. there's those moments in the trenches there's stuff we all worry about 
But it's just so much fun. It, but it's not fun for everybody. I, I was getting a haircut a few weeks ago, and the guy cutting my hair said, um, so you got any kids? I said, yeah, I, I, two, two girls, 13 and 14. It's such a fun age. I love the teen years because it's so fun. And he goes, yeah, I got one. She's 16. And I, I said, don't you think it's fun? And I'll never forget this. He goes, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, that's too. You know, and we started to talk about it because these can be awful, awful experiences as well. And it can start way before teen times. And and basically, the concept of boundaries is one of the big, big helpful concepts because what it does is it brings structure to the chaos. And it brings structure to what we're actually trying to do, which is to grow mature adults at the end of this process. You know, we, we forget sometimes that parenting is not about parenting. Parenting is always about the future. You know, being a parent is the only job that God designed for you to get fired from. Well, let me ask you about that, because I think so often in my own parenting efforts, and I think Gene would agree with this, we sometimes get stuck in looking at the, the crisis in the moment. We don't take that long view because right. we're caught up emotionally with the problem, whatever it might be. Some, you know, minor, some perhaps major where you're really concerned about the pattern that you're seeing in your teenager, just to take that as an example, 13, 14, 15, and you begin to panic, and you're going, okay, we failed, we haven't done the job. Um, how does a parent keep that long-term perspective in view in the moment of crisis? It's really, 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 really important, because you, you said some key words there. You know, panic is one, <laughs> and parenting doesn't really occur well when we're in panic mode. I mean, if you've ever seen an accident scene, right, when the when the EMTs show up, they're the ones that aren't panicking. They're the ones that are kind of the big people in the room, and they've got the cooler heads. The problem is that a lot of times kids will tap into our panic-stricken parts of us, They know right? the buttons. They know the buttons. And it's very, very important to have an overall approach to parenting where we're remembering it's not about the room, cleaning the room up. It's not about what she or he just said to their sibling or to you. What it's about is about using that moment for the maturity of the child. And, And how do we stay reminded of that? Well, one of the best ways to stay reminded of it is to get away from it and think about it. You know, I believe strongly that you you don't do parenting alone. You've got to do parenting with other parents. And I think what happens when you get with other parents, whether it's in a mom's group or a dad's group or a couple's group or something at your church, what it does is it pulls you out of those moments and you start to hear as a group, what do you guys do about video games? What do you guys do about homework? What do you guys do about the bad boyfriend? What do you guys do about this? And it starts to normalize these situations, not only normalize it, but you start to get above it and think, okay, what am I really trying to build here? Mm. You know, what is all this parenting stuff about? And then you then you stop dealing with the moment and you start to use the moment in service of what you're trying to do. That's a big shift in parenting. I hear what you're saying, but I really, uh, the practical application of this mm-hmm is in that moment when, in our case, big brother might be picking on little brother or vice versa. How does a parent 
find the right moment to, okay, this is big enough to engage. How do we not make mountains out of molehills? Well, that that's a really good question, the last part about that. I, I would think, look, there's always a continuum. Okay, number one is if there's injury or damage being done, we intervene, right? So in whatever our form of that, you know, I, I might say to the girls, my, my two girls, if they're in a squabble like that, I go, whoa, stop. That wasn't cool. And stop it. And say, you know, that's not okay. And then from that, you get a kind of a feeling of, are they seeing what I'm saying or not? And if they say, gosh, you're right, I'm sorry, or okay, I said it a different way, then fine. But what you usually get at that moment is, well, she, I go, stop. No, she nothing. I'm talking about you right now. What did you just do? <laughs> that's not okay. Okay, do you want to say it a different way? First of all, tell me what you did that's not okay. And so, you know, sometimes we have to intervene, but there are other times, like the, the situation that you said, the, you know, the the boys are there and they're calling each other, and you go, guys, hold on a second. Do y'all really like to interact that way? Because, see, you're seeing nobody's getting injured, but it maybe not is the coolest thing. I've had that happen with my girls where, where at moments I've said, well, guys, this is what are you doing? Do y'all really want to talk to each other that way? And sometimes they'll turn to me and say, "Dad, we're sisters. Go away. Yeah, let us figure it out." <laughs> let it, you know, and it's the normal sister banter. But other times, you can see, yeah, you know, that that wasn't cool. And and so I think that the main principle here is that as parents, we must get into the proactive mode where we have a toolbox. See, when we get into problems as parents is when we're reacting instead of proacting. So a surgeon has got a lot of different tools there on the tray, right? And he or she will pick up the appropriate one at the moment. When we're reacting, we're not choosing what we're going to do there. And so it's very important. The first boundary with kids is the boundary where the parent realizes I'm separate from them and whatever they're going through at the moment I'm separate, and I get to make some choices of how I want to deal with this. Sometimes we might arrest one of them. Sometimes we might want to talk about it, and there's a lot of room in between. Well, I love that uh, analogy of the tools on the tray because you talk about the avoiding tool and the zapping tool, if I could put it in that vernacular. What what were you getting at with the ignoring and zapping parenting style? Yeah, there, That's a little too close to home because yeah. I think I can do that. I there can ignore an and ignore, I can zap. Ignore and zap parenting style, and and. What that is is, you know, we're we're sort of distant from it, and we kind of let it build up, let it build up, and let it build up, and then we swoop in and like, what do you got? You know, there's some sort of screaming, and that never helps. So well, let me ask you, because it's so obvious, that never helps. But why do we do it so consistently as parents? Why do we end up there going, wah? Well, you know, the more I parent, and the and you know, over the years, the more I've worked with parents, I find that that so many times. It really is a combination of we've never learned the tools. You know, we love to play sports we're good at, <laughs> right? And we love to do things we're good at. But sometimes, you know, this discipline thing or conflict resolution or helping with homework or setting goals or, or things like that are areas where we just sort of unplug from sometimes because we don't know how to do it, but we know something's wrong, and then we will many times – parent in the way that we were parented and we'll just kind of you know do what wasn't helpful for us but you know it's all I got so I do it to them as well and one of the interesting things that's helped me is when the Bible says the anger of man does not 
achieve the righteousness of God. When you learn, that little verse has a lot of neuroscience behind it, that when you learn that when we are expressing anger to anyone to teach them something or get them to do something, their brain is not taking it in. And we can film this. I mean, or we can hook up their brains and see it. So it's literally not sinking It's literally, (laughs) when they feel threatened, they may be nodding, but they're nodding for security reasons. They're nodding to get you to calm down. They're not building new circuitry that's going to turn into new behavior. But when you are in a connected space a warm, connected, empathic space and talking about the issue and exercising discipline or limits and talking about choices and making them kind of work with it. And and you're still setting the limit. See, you can be, and, and learn this phrase, it's a good one for all of us. You can be hard on the issue and yet soft on the person. Hmm. You know, this table is hard, right? And what that means is I can't move it. Okay. Well, that's how we want to be as parents. You know, if there's certain certain things we do not allow in this house, I can be very hard on that, meaning that fence isn't going to move. But I can say it to my child in a way that's soft and respectful of the person and say, you know what? I know it's frustrating to you that you can't get the chainsaw and redecorate the furniture, but really we're not going to change on that, so I'd suggest you do something else. Right. And if you don't, ABC and go that. You know where happen. that's played out for me, especially with one of my sons, and I won't out that person, but um, oftentimes if I have conflict trying to get him to do something, what I have found is if I just say it and walk away and give him processing time, mm-hmm. he actually gets up and does it. If I stay in it and harp on him, he kind of digs in. So it's right. been an interesting observation well, for me that if I just say, listen, uh, I need this done, and I, I don't want to be the one to have to do it because this is something you should be able to do for us and for the household. Maybe it's taking out the trash or whatever it might be. And then I'll just spin and walk away and go on with my stuff. It'll take him about two to three minutes and then he'll get up, mm-hmm. and he'll get it done. If Jim, G- you, you have said so many important things right there. Uh, I mean, literally, we could do an entire show on this one concept, and the one concept is self-control. When you look at the brains of human beings, okay, if you take a little toddler and hook their brain up and play with a little peg thing and, and hit the pegs with the hammers, their brain sort of has a little activity. You hand them the hammer and say, now you do it, that brain goes crazy. Because God designed humans to be control freaks. Let me say that again. God designed humans to be control freaks. Is it fair to place that on God's part or was that our flesh? (laughs) Well, that's the problem, okay? He designed us to be control freaks, but he designed us to have control and be freaky about having control over one thing, ourselves, self-control. It is the fruit of the Spirit. What we do in the flesh and in the fallen nature, we abrogate self-control. I don't want to be in control of myself. I want to control you. If I'm upset, I want you to change. I want you to do. And what we do is we try to play God and have control over everything huh. but ourselves. Now, what you did with your kid right there, you put him in control. You said, here's what I would like. Here's the expectations. Now, somewhere you've probably said, if you don't do it, that's going to mean certain things. If you do do it, it's going to mean certain things. But you stayed in control of yourself, and you said, look, 
it's up to you. You can do it or not do it. This is what I want, and I'll come back and check. So now, what does he have? He has autonomy. He has freedom. And what parents often don't realize is your goal in for one of the goals for child rearing is to put them in control. It's called self-control. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. It's really nice to not have to sort of pre-screen Clubhouse. Focus on the Family has wonderful Bible-based resources that your kids will love. It's nice to know that we can trust Focus on the Family to to publish good things and to supply our children with things that will grow their faith and encourage them. Learn more about Focus on the Family Clubhouse and Focus on the Family Clubhouse Junior Magazines at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Club Radio. I'm here asking people how they could both give and get. I don't know. Maybe love? Yeah, you could both give and get love. True, but it's also possible with a charitable gift annuity. You get a secure source of fixed income and a charitable tax deduction. Plus, giving a charitable gift annuity to focus on the family helps families thrive for generations to come. I love that. Find out more. Go to FocusPlannedGiving.com. That's FocusPlannedGiving.com. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Henry, let me um, keep going in this area because I think within the Christian community particularly, Christian parents, we are expecting a lot from our kids. And we, I believe, and I see it in my own household, where we want to control that behavior because what they're doing is outside the boundary for us. Right. Um, and so we begin to overexert that control. They don't own their behavior. Now they're going off to college. And what we're seeing in the community, uh, researchers like Dr. Kara Powell from Fuller are finding that these kids are going off the deep end. Now, thankfully, many of them come back. But when you said the warden's not looking, <laughs> the kids are going out of control. And a lot of Christian homes are experiencing this right now where the kids are, for the first time, they're out from underneath that parental control, right. that Christian parental control, and they're they're really going wild. How can we do our best as a parent in that role as Christians to prepare them for that experience? What are some of the things we need to be cognizant of to make sure that our kids don't take the wrong path? Well, it's a really, really important point because, again, what we want to build in kids is self-control. Now, a moment ago, you you said something about control. You you know, you want to control their behavior in the house, right? Well, think about this. And outside the house, frankly. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Here's what you have control of. You don't have control of their behavior. You have control of the house. Right. And you got to realize, you know, it's your house. Right. And so you decide this is going to happen this way in my house and this is going to happen this way in my house. And these are certain things that that aren't allowed. Now, when Joey decides that Joey is going to behave in a certain way, I'm in control of the house. And Joey, guess what? That's not allowed here. And when people do that, if I did what you just did, then I would get a consequence, too. Right. So here's the way it works. If you do that. This is the way this house works. These are the ways of this house. And if you do that, certain things happen. Then Joey learns, gosh, if I sow 
to the Spirit, I reap life, and if I sow to the flesh, then I reap all sorts of death, right? And the death of my dreams, the death of my privileges, the death of, of a lot of stuff. Freedom! Freedom, freedom, freedom. <laughs> and we forget how important freedom is, both not only the freedom for them to be able to do things, but the freedom for them to be able to make their own their own choices. Now, what I'm not saying here is an absence of limits. In fact, I'm being much harsher in a way than the controlling parent. Because when we're nagging and controlling and using relational consequences, nothing really bad is happening to Joey. Joey's tuning you out. He, he or she is getting detached, and they're going off, and they're going to find a different object of attachment to meet their needs. And it might be the bad boyfriend that's the last one you ever wanted to show up at your house, mm-hmm. you know, for a teenage daughter. But the harsher way, in the good sense, the harsher way is when they learn the realities of what their choices bring them. Now, we don't only do this in the big things. See, this is the big deal. What we're trying to do is build character. And character happens in the moments. I'll give you a great example. Yesterday, our 14-year-old, she was off with with some friends, and one of the things that we want to do is put her in control of her own money, right? I don't want to be a vending machine. I need money for this. I need money. So we figured out an amount. She's got certain chores to do. She has to do those. And we make a deposit in her debit card account, went down to the bank, had her sign up for it to learn all this stuff. She's got a debit card. She knows she has a certain amount of money that she earns. And that comes on, you know, biweekly or something. Okay. So she goes on this outing with a bunch of friends and she calls and she says, well, there was this, you know, I went to my favorite store and, and there there was this this shirt and, and, and I really wanted it and, and I spent it and now I need some money for food. And you know what answer she got? Oh, well. It was an oh, well. It's like, wow, tell me about the shirt. You know, well, it's great. And they said, well, that's cool. So now what what was this other question? Well, I need some money for, well, I think you already you already spent it, but, you know, sorry i mean i hope you enjoy the shirt and she's like what and and she's learning this is how this works but there's no drama there's no whatever look it's your money you get to spend if you'd rather spend it on the shirt than be able to you know eat out with your friends today that's fine but you do it in the moment the question i wanted to ask in the last couple of minutes here is more on temperament because i i would think that parental temperament must play a role in this. What I mean by that, you could take any personality profile test, but where you have a softer, gentler person or the driving personality in the mom and dad, how does that play into that temperament? Um, Again, for Jean and I, Jean's biochemistry background, she's black and white in her thinking. She can be a little stronger on the rules Mm -hmm. than me, the business degree guy. You know, know, it's generally in the right ballpark. It's a big enough number. Let's move this direction. And I see that in our own temperaments between Gene and myself. Are you talking about the temperament of the parents? The the temperament of the parents and how we apply uh, our parenting styles in that regard. How how much does that play into it in terms of (laughs) being too strict or too loose and all those kinds of things? Yeah, one one of the... uh, my favorite sayings is, you know, the pickier one rules. <laughs> no, and it's when true. you think about it, that's not how it ought to be. That's just a description because the pickier one is going to speak up quicker, right? right? 
and have more kind of expectations and more kinds of preferences. Well, and set the boundaries. And set the boundaries. And so it's really, really important, again, you don't do any of this stuff. You don't make up a strategy on the battlefield. Hmm. You know, what general ever said, okay, let's go fight the war, and when we get out there, we'll figure out what to do. (laughs) That's not what you do. What you do is you sit down. First of all, the generals sit down, and they figure out what's the war we're trying to win here, and what battles do we need to make sure we're going to win, and what battles are we not going to fight? Because that becomes a very important part of any strategy, what you're not going to do. Well, that's a great example of how to be a proactive parent. Can I say something to dads? Sure. And some moms, but I hear this from dads a lot. Dads go, I know I'm supposed to be a parent, but I'm way better at work, and I'm not that good at home. And I go, stop it. Stop it. In fact, I did a seminar at a corporation on this topic, leadership at home. Hmm. I said, you listen to me, Mr. CEO. You're great at work. Why? Why are you great at work? Because you know how to lead. Let me tell you what you do. First thing you do, what does a leader do? They define a vision, a desired future. The next thing you do, you engage the talent. You get your team together. You define their roles and what they're supposed to do. The third thing you do is you got a strategy and you plan and you execute that. The fourth thing you do is you hold them accountable and you get an accountability system that's built around the group. And then you fix the problems you find and you go capture a market share. All right, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to call an executive team meeting at home. I want you to sit the group down like you're at work and say, okay, guys, we're going to have, it's, it's June 1st. We're going to have a summer. What's our vision for the summer? Et cetera, et cetera. So then, then what do you do? You engage the talent. Okay, Joey, everybody said you want to go camping. Joey, you're in charge. You're really good at that. You're in charge of bringing us a plan or f- figuring out some options there. And, and we get everybody involved. And, and then we find out the roles. And then we say, okay, how are we going to make sure that everybody's doing their job and hold each other accountable? What do you tell? What are you talking about? You can't be a parent. Your kids are needing exactly what you do at work. And what we sometimes we make this thing so outside of the realm of human competence when it's exactly how God designed the prefrontal cortex of the brain <laughs> to be able to figure out where I want to end up and steps to get there. And yet we kind of unplug when we ought not to. Well, those are good motivations and good ideas. Dr. Henry Cloud, author of the book Boundaries with Kids with your co-author John Townsend. We're into it. I've got to come back. I've got more questions about the laws that you outlined in your book, the law of power, the law of motivation. Uh, Let's come back next time and cover some of those to equip parents to do a better job than what they're doing today. Can you stick with us? I can. We all need it. We do look forward to hearing more from Dr. Henry Cloud next time as we hear about setting boundaries as a way of teaching children to be responsible adults in the future. Now, his book, Boundaries with Kids, is full of practical, tangible ideas you can implement today to raise healthier children. It covers 10 different boundaries to consider and how you can successfully implement them in your home. I hope our listeners will stick with us because these lessons are invaluable to us as parents. Uh, There's no rule book when it comes to parenting, so we'll take all the help we can get. And you know what? It's not too late to implement these principles and boundaries into your home to help shape your children into the type of adults you hope they'll become someday. Uh, responsible, driven, smart, accountable. Those are good qualities to aim for. We are here to partner with you at Focus on the Family on this journey of parenting that you're in. And we hope you'll take advantage of the valuable resources that are here. 
And again, the book that Dr. Cloud wrote with Dr. John Townsend is called Boundaries with Kids, and we'd like to make sure you get a copy, so please contact us today. And if you can, please make a monthly pledge to support the ministry of Focus on the Family. If you're not in a spot to make a monthly pledge, uh, please consider a one-time gift of any amount. Either way, we'll say thank you for your donation by sending a copy of this book, Boundaries with Kids. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459, or you can donate and find resources at focusonthefamily.com broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. You're listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. My favorite thing about Brio is that you can actually absorb stuff from it and learn Reaching teen girls right where they're at with encouragement to grow in their faith. The stories in the Brio magazine about other people that have gone through things way worse than I have is really inspiring and uplifting. Help your teen invite God into her everyday experience with Brio magazine. Learn more at focusonthefamily.com slash Brio Radio. You don't make up a strategy on the battlefield. You know, what general ever said, okay, let's go fight the war, and when we get out there, we'll figure out what to do. (laughs) That's not what you do. What you do is you sit down. First of all, the generals sit down, and they figure out what's the war we're trying to win here, and what battles do we need to make sure we're going to win, and what battles are we not going to fight? Because that becomes a very important part of any strategy, what you're not going to do. Well, it takes a lot of thought and effort and uh, energy and time to be a good parent. And we've got a great program for you today on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Uh, We're going to feature that man there, Dr. Henry Cloud, as he helps us define appropriate boundaries in our parenting. Thanks for joining us today. I'm John Fuller. Uh, John, you know, last time I learned a lot as a dad on things I could do differently, and I hope all of you did as well. If you didn't hear the program last time, get the download, uh, you know, smartphone, app, whatever you need to do, order the CD, and uh, listen to the program, because I think there were a lot of great nuggets of wisdom that uh, Dr. Cloud brought to the parenting effort. Today, we want to turn back to his book, Boundaries with Kids. He and Dr. John Townsend wrote that book a few years ago, but there are so many good things in there. We're going to talk about Uh, the law of motivation today, and several of the other laws that they uncover there for us as parents. So I'm looking forward to the time. And Dr. Cloud has been here a number of times. He is a well-known author and speaker, and he's a psychologist who is uh, really offering biblical insights. I think that's one of the things I really appreciate about him, Jim. He integrates the scripture into what he says here about parenting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Henry, welcome back to the program. It's good to be with you guys. And and one of the reasons I love this topic with you guys, we're all in it at this yeah, time. We, we all have, have, have kids at, at these ages, mm-hmm. and it's fun. It makes it fun. It's kind of like an experiment, right? I yeah. loved what you said. It's our, it's our parenting support group here. Yeah, this is it right here. <laughs> so everybody here. can listen into this. But, uh, but it is. You said it so 
so well. A parent said to me, every stage has been better than the one before. So when you have the toddlers, I've enjoyed it. I've seen those things. There's there's work in each one. There's some things that are a little more troubling. But by and large, I'm looking forward to the next few years I've got with my boys before they go off to do what they're going to do, college or vocation, whatever they might do. And uh, I want to help them in that phase of both of our lives in a strong way because I want to launch them in a way that they are ready Mm -hmm. to go for the Lord, Mm -hmm. for their future spouses, and for their role as fathers. And it's great to have you here to talk about that. Talk about... You know, it, 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 if we can keep that, that sentence in mind, parenting is always about the future. You know, It's wh- hard to keep it in mind. It's hard to keep it in mind. But, but when you're talking about whether or not your kid you know, has done their homework, to, it's not about the homework. It's about the IRS 20 years from now. Because <laughs> the IRS is going to want to know, did they do their homework? Right? right. And so that's what you're trying to teach them, not about the math or the science. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's so true, those habits that you want to see. One of the difficulties, and again, we talked about this in a variety of ways last time, is in developing those habits, how do we have the right throttle emotionally as the parent to uh, lay down the law and help them live to it and then not be too overwhelming when it comes to their failures, but to use them as moments to teach them. Jim, <laughs> you just gave an entire course on systematic theology. <laughs> now, no, seriously, I wish we could go back and hear this because what you said is lay down the law and help them to, I think you said, to live up to it without killing them in some way, you know, becoming overbearing or something. Okay, so in that, this is the whole message of the Bible. So, Because what a lot of parents do is they lay down the law, and then what they do is they watch for the infractions, and they spank the infractions or yell at the infractions or this, that, and they call that parenting. What you said was you lay down the law and you help them to live up to it. So that is not only the way the Bible says to Mm. do life the way God did it with us. It's also the way you run companies. It's the way you run families. It's the way you run every aspect of life that God gives us ways and standards. But he doesn't give us ways and standards and then just punish us every time we break it. In fact, he realizes he gives us the ways and standards that are above our ability to do them. That's Mm. what growth is. But then he comes down and he helps us to live up to them. So parenting is about all of that. It's about figuring out what are the standards we're trying to live up to, and he or she, our kids, are going to need help to live up to those. That's parenting. The other way is the law that just, you know, as Paul says, the law never works anyway, just laying down the law and, you know, punishing people for when they don't do it. It never works. They need help to get there. Well, that is really interesting. In your book, Boundaries with Kids, uh, you and Dr. And again, I did not say don't have any rules. Right. <laughs> you must have just rules. Just to clarify. There's the clarifying. You can moment. have too many rules, but you must have rules. But what you got to figure out is this, rules do not build the capacity in the child to live up to the rules. Well, let's talk about how you do that, because one of the laws in your book is the law of motivation, and that motivation is to help them live up to the rules. So talk about the law of motivation. How do I get that little guy or gal to live up to the rules, the law of motivation? Motivate them. 
Okay, very interesting sentence. How do I get that little guy to live up to the rules? What if we just said this? How do I get that little guy to get that little guy to live up to the rules? That's better. Because that's what we want, right? And so what we have to realize is basically that we we have two drives in us. You know, we have we have a drive for pain and we have a drive for pleasure. And there are different things that feel good to, to us, et cetera, et cetera. Now, what we know is that in all of us, there is a certain drive for what feels good that's not good. In other words, it feels good for me to not have consequences if I do something wrong. What the Bible tells us is all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. But in the end, it produces the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So the question becomes for parents... You know, we're talking about how to motivate them. What what we're really trying to do is we're trying to tap into the motivation that God gave all of us, which is for a good life, mm-hmm. right? For Because our brains are wired to, we're supposed to enjoy life. We have pleasure centers and all this kind of stuff. But what we've got to do is we've got to make sure that we organize the environment around them to where doing good things gets them a good life and doing bad things I don't really like the life I get when I do bad things because I go to toddler purgatory for right. a while, and that doesn't feel good. And so what we're doing is we we are entering in in a relationship, and we are going to prevent them from doing what feels good to them that will produce death, and we're going to give them a lot of options to do what is good for them that will produce life. Now, Notice in there, what I'm talking about is I want them to learn to make the right choices that produce life or death in their own experience. Here's one of the biggest flaws I see out there in parenting today. This whole emphasis on redirection as a total parenting strategy. I see it all the time. If your kid is upset over here or doing this, just, you know, if they they want that toy, give them another choice. And they're always... Look, sometimes one of the best things that any of us have to learn is we have to learn to salute the word no and realize that sometimes I don't have an option that I want. Sometimes I don't, you know, I'm not in control because they're going to go to work and and the boss is going to say, I want you to do this. And they're going to throw a temper tantrum. And you think the boss is going to say, oh, gosh, well, that has upset him. Well, let me find something else he likes. No, it's not like that. You know, obviously we want choices and there are diversions and different choices. You can do this, you can't do that. But you know what? One of the most important gifts you can give to your children is to learn to live within a limit and like it. When my kids were little, I remember at at, uh, the parent-toddler preschool, we had a great song they taught the kids. You know what it was? You get what you get and you don't get upset. (laughs) That was it. And they learned that. And sometimes, can I go do this? No. And they go, what do you say? Well, you get what you get and you can't get upset. And it normalized I don't get everything I want, and we don't have enough of that today, I think. Well, that's interesting. You know, the other toddler environment will be, especially if you have two kids close in age, which we did and do, is uh, that's mine. Mm -hmm. You know, the toddler's saying, that's mine. Yeah. And how do you engage that to say, well, you know what? Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's true, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not. (laughs) See, see, that's the thing, is, is the whole concept of boundaries are about a property line. A boundary is a property line. This is your yard. This is my yard. Okay? So, yeah, you're right. That is yours. 
Okay, now what you can't do is use what's yours to step over the property line. Bible calls that a trespass. Now you stepped into my yard (laughs) with your little hammer, and you can't go take your hammer and break out the windows in the kitchen. That's not okay. This is your hammer. You can play in your yard, and you can do whatever you want to in this circle of boundaries. But you trespass is when you step over that line into somebody else's property. And that's the basic concept that, that God has always outlined. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Man, I knew my marriage was falling apart. I just didn't know how to fix it. I felt like I would always be alone, even if I stayed married. At Focus on the Family's Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, we offer hope to couples in crisis so they can have the marriage they've always dreamed of. For the first time, I felt like my husband truly heard me. I've received some great tools from the counselors that have changed my life and my marriage. To begin the journey of finding health, go to HopeRestored.com today. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. You know, this is such nuts and bolts advice, Henry. I so appreciate it. And, uh, you know, just scribbling, making notes here myself. I hope all of you are as well. Um, because again, this is the right stuff when it comes to the parenting expectation, what you need to be concentrating on. Uh, let me ask it's you. It's not easy either. It's Jim. not. It's work. Yeah, because one, one of the biggest boundaries that, that I've discovered about parenting, not, not only people I work with, but me, is the first boundary is I've got to set some boundaries on my own anxiety. <laughs> because, you know, at, at every stage, there are things that our kids are going to do and actually sometimes things that they need to do that make us anxious, you know, in some way. And and one of the worst things that we can do, one of the worst things we can do is use our own anxiety as the value system <laughs> of what we're going to say yes or no to. Sometimes we have to say, okay, I don't really feel good about this. You know, daddy needs a time out to go think about this, mm. right? You know, judges going to their chambers, Right, they don't have to make decisions all all at the moment. I need to go think about this, and and sometimes I I get off and reflect, and I think you know this kind of worries me a little bit. When I think about it, when I really think about it, this is you know it's not going to kill them, and this is something that they need to go do. And if they make good choices, certain things will happen. If they don't, it won't. But this is, I need to loosen up here, and mm-hmm. I need to deal with my own anxiety. Okay, at other times I have anxiety about that, and that's a really good anxiety. Because why am I afraid of this? Because A, B, and C, which A, B, and C should never happen. And that's where I'm going to set a limit. But, we, you know, our God gave us senses and feelings. In the book of Hebrews, it says this. It says, solid food is for the mature. And we would all say that parenting is, is solid food, right? right? Solid food is for the mature who, through practice, have had their senses trained to discern good from evil. See, God gave us senses. He gave us, oh, I have this feeling, or no, I don't like that, or, or this, you know, there's some, I see this and I don't like it, and I have this uneasy. But those senses have to be trained. And sometimes, you know, what good parenting is about is our training our sensibilities and our senses and our insights and all this to sometimes we have to put off some of the patterns that were ingrained in us from the traditions of the elders. Jesus talked 
often about the traditions of the elders that are not the ways of God. And we can get things from our own dysfunctional families, you know, and I often ask an audience, who came from a dysfunctional family? And Everybody's every, hand goes well, up. Well, we all did because we're all from the family of Adam. Right. We're from Adam's family. Remember, it's kooky and it's crazy, right? And so we've inherited this. And, and God tells us, look, you've inherited ways, generational patterns that are not good. And you must, and this is something that we don't often hear about, but God told the people, you know, confess the sins of your fathers huh. and turn from them. So if I was parented in certain ways that are good, I want to carry that forward. But sometimes I have to ask myself, what fit a different time or what was actually just wrong? Yeah that was not good, that I've got to be the generation that breaks that. And that's one of the key things to parenting. Before we ever go into the parenting thing, we need our own training. You don't send a soldier off to war without going to boot camp and training. And we got to look at our own senses and our own our own issues first. The best parents are the ones that have dealt with their own issues so they don't pass them on. Well, that's where the resources and the tools from your efforts and John Townsend and Focus on the Family, that's where we're all trying to help, I think, in this area of parenting. And it's a privilege to be able to do it. Let me get to a specific. Um, again, in the book, you warn parents not to, as an example of what not to do, uh, not to over-identify with our child's pain. Oh. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that's one of the big issues today, oh. especially for moms, not to pick on moms. But moms have such nurturing spirits. And, and empathy, you can yeah. identify with your child. You don't want to... But talk about the danger of that. In the book, we have a bunch of laws of parenting, right? <laughs> And one of them is the law of evaluation of pain. And it goes like this. Just because someone's screaming doesn't mean that something bad is happening. Yeah. And what that means is that in parenting, sometimes you are going to set some limits or you're going to have to push them to do something or you're going to require something. And you're going to get some screaming. And it can be in the passive version of that, tears and pain and woundedness and sullenness and all this kind of stuff. And in the aggressive version of that, it can be anger and pushback and, you know, kind of fighting. Both of them have to do with that a kid is learning a very important lesson. They're learning, I'm not in control of the universe. That's something that you'll want them to know for their bosses, for their spouses, for the traffic laws, for a bunch of stuff, that they aren't God. Now, when you do that, they are going to not like it. Okay, but that doesn't mean something bad is happening. When you push them to do something, I had a an example of this recently. My my, my youngest daughter, um, Lucy, signed up for camp, and, and she's been to camp, you know, a lot of times. But she does have a little thing sometimes in looking for things that are out there and, and a lot of separateness, and she's going to be away from home, and she'll get a little, little anxious. And then she found out about camp that there was going to be no one there in her grade. as a church camp. And there were going to be no eighth graders. They were all going to be either seventh graders or ninth graders, which meant she didn't have any friends. Uh. She was going to go to camp with, with a bunch of strangers. And when she first found that out, it was total meltdown. And she didn't want to go. She said, I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not going and all this. So, you know, we're in the car <laughs> because it found out at church, and, the, and it was just drama. And I don't know, but you're not going to make me go. You know, all this kind of stuff. 
And so just said, well, we don't know. Let's, let's find out. Gosh, it is scary. You know, just kind of empathized with it and didn't didn't do anything. But just, you know, well, we'll go think about it, you know. Well, no, you can't. No, well, you know, I know it's upsetting, but we're going to think about this. So, so I didn't want to deal with them. But I already knew she's going to camp. And the reason she's going to camp is because I want her to have to learn to go into situations that are unfamiliar and to use her skills to make friends and to learn how to cope with that. Right. She's going to do this. So there was an outcome you were looking there for. There was an outcome I was looking for. Now, what I did was kind of have to, you know, you do this in stages, right? And you don't. I'm not going to get that across to her when she's freaking out and all of her drama. But ultimately, through all the discussions... You know, what I told her was, I said, Luz, I understand you don't want to go, and it is going to scare you. You know, it's going to be going to be sort of scary. But I also know this. You know what? If you were unable to make friends and people didn't like you and you were walking in something that was going to be awful, the last thing I would do is to send you into it. But actually, I believe that you can do this because you always do. And I know it scares you, but I think you're going to have a great time. And what I want you to do is I want you to go, and I want you to make a bunch of friends, and I want you to have a great time. And when you come back, you're going to tell me how that went. And ultimately, I mean, she had to adapt to the limit. Look, you paid for it. You signed up. You're going. So sometimes we have to, and she did not like it, especially in the beginning, but we got there. And as we, this is interesting, as we were praying about it, she gets an email from one of the counselors at the camp that said, Lucy, I just saw your name. You're going to be in my cabin, and I can't wait to do the music studio thing with you that we um, did last year. And all of a sudden, you know, God provided a way. So she got more interested. And she got a little, okay. little more interested. But the point was... I knew my job was to push her into discomfort and not allow the regression. And parents have two things you have to guard against. One is your children are going to want to do things they're not ready for. Don't give a, co- a toddler the keys to the car, okay, even yeah. though they want to drive. So we're to guard them from their omnipotence where they want to have more control than they should have. But the other thing is we've got to guard them from their regression because each new step is going to be anxious and we got to put a limit behind them so they can't go backwards and they have to go forward to learn the next stability. And that's distressing to kids. Well, it's true. The example, it's a simple example, but I remember when Trent was probably five, I signed him up for T-ball for the first time. So he's my firstborn son. And I'm thinking, okay, this is it, the beginning of the sports dad activity. So we go and You know, balls are going by, and he's just kind of looking around. He doesn't want to go chase the ball. (laughs) And uh, I notice he just has zero interest in this. It's not that he was being defiant or anything. He just didn't want to be there. Yeah. And uh, so I kind of looked at him. I said, would you rather go get a chocolate shake? And he's like, yeah, let's go do that. (laughs) And so, you know, we went and did that. He's never had an interest in, in baseball. He did pick up football and basketball. But I felt like I, I didn't want to push him in right. that regard. Well, let, let me say something about that. Um, because here's the principle. What you want is you want a kid that is an involved kid in life. Okay? Baseball not might not be life-giving to him. 
Right. But maybe music is. Yeah. Or maybe basketball is. Now, if he were the kind of kid that I'm not doing anything, I just want to sit on the couch for the rest of my life, that's not okay. Right. You want to, that, you know, we would limit the not doing anything, but they should have choices just the way that God gives us choices that go with our makeup and giftedness and all of that. They should have have choices to be able to do that. What we're not going to allow is a disengagement from life. What we are going to allow is exactly what Proverbs says, a person's path comes from their heart and God directs their steps. So in your heart, there's this path and one kid loves this and they don't like this. Now, in the beginning, just like vegetables, what I want to do is I want to expose them to a, a whole menu and then see what they like. What you can't do is not eat anything, but you do get to choose right. you know, whether you want the broccoli or the green beans sometimes. So so it, it's both and. It's not mm. either or. No, it's really good. And, you know, we're at the end. I think, again, people can see the value of this tool, this resource, Boundaries with Kids. You've done a great job of identifying the core things that parents need to be mindful of and work on. And right. folks, guess what? Yeah, parenting is a job. It's work. Well, if I can say one more thing about that, identifying with the pain, you know, it's not just that we require them to do something that's hard for them and not have empathy for that it's hard. Because you said something earlier, look, I'm going to require her to go to camp in this instance, but I'm not going to be harsh and say, shut up, you got to do it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. What we're right. going to do is we're going to require it and have empathy for how hard it is for her to say, okay, so let's get a plan. What can you do when you get there? How can I help you? And and so we're building the ability to perform the law that we're requiring, and that's the difference. God gives us the law, but he gives us the ability and the power and the body and the help and the strengthening to get there. Yeah, it's a very good point. Let, let's end with this one. Um, I'm sure there's a parent who is listening um, who feels that maybe it's too late. They're in the 15, 16, 17-year-old stage, and they just have never heard this. They haven't thought about it. Um, these are new concepts for them. And they're feeling like the relationship with their teenager is already so uh, wounded, so brittle, um, that they don't even know if there's hope. Speak to that parent um, directly about what they can do to begin to change that ship, even though they may only have a year or two years mm-hmm. left? Well, I've got some really good news for you. And the good news is that you used to hear things um, both from scientists and psychologists as well as, you know, from the layperson. And, and, and it's sort of like, well, it's set and it's formed early. And once it's formed, you can't change it, right? This character thing and all this. Brain research has come up with a term for what the Bible, I think, refers to as sanctification. And there is always growth. And, and, and what we know is that at any age, new patterns can form. It's called neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. And that at any age, we can change. Because if there is life brought to something, if you take a plant that's wilted, and you take a plant that's as long as it's not dead and you start to water it, and you start to fertilize it, and you start to do what it needs, what will you see? You will see growth. Wow, that is really good stuff. Dr. Henry Cloud, author of the book Boundaries with Kids. I think every parent should have this in their arsenal. Thanks for being with us. It's always good to be with you guys, and God bless what you do. 
What an informative, helpful conversation. It's given me a lot to think about in my role as a dad. And if you feel the same, get a copy of this excellent book, Boundaries with Kids, which covers the 10 boundaries that your kids need most to become healthy adults. Um, We couldn't cover all of the content in our conversation the past couple of days. John, this was one of those eye-opening and important conversations. It's so vital for us to remember as parents the impact we have on our children. And we hope you'll request a copy of this book, and we'd love to get it into your hands. If you can make a monthly pledge, that really helps us out here at Focus to do ministry together. But a one-time gift is also appreciated, and in either case, we'll send you a copy of the book as our way of saying thank you when you make that contribution. Yeah, contribute to the work of Focus today. Uh, donate at our website, focusonthefamily.com broadcast. Or when you call, 800, the letter A, and the word family. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.